You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. 40 years ago, this is Emeritus Rex with Rabbi Ruvain Yoshua Pupko. Rabbi Pupko, we are just hours in some sense before the three-day extravaganza this year that is Shabbos, Erev Shuas, and then here in Chutzler, it's two days of Shuas, a three-day Lollapalooza uh, event. Um, I know that as the rabbi of the prestigious Beth Israel, Beth Aaron Synagogue, I am sure that much is going on trying to arrange things um, for this year, especially whether it's the learning programs, um, the food, the shiurim. Um, and I know that this is, and we really appreciate you taking this time out uh, to speak with us. What do you it's see as some enormous, of the... enormous sacrifice. It's a... It is, it is, it is. I'm, 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 look, I, I, look, instead of your usual uh, fee that you take for this conversation, right. can, I send, can, can I send you some Eli's cheesecake north of the border? You think that would, think that, that would be... Listen, um, uh, you know, amongst the, uh, the semi-traditional Jew, Shavuos is certainly the least popular holiday. Amongst, you know, in the from community, obviously, it's... Uh, you know, universally observed, but it's strange because it lacks any compelling ritual, no chauffeur, no seder. Uh, you know, it somehow uh, gets ignored by by some of the non-Orthodox community, by many of the non-Orthodox community. But, uh, but it does tell you something. It means that absent, you know, a compelling uh, ritual or a family event, Shavuos is about learning. That's what it is. It has. It needs nothing else because Shavuos is about learning. Although the idea of staying up all night is a relatively recent uh, vintage, uh, it doesn't go back all that long. But the essential uh, uh, celebration of the day is Torah. Is the foundation of everything. It's uh, you know right. you know it's, it's the beginning of everything, and uh, and therefore uh, you know Jews who are knowledgeable and committed. Uh, they, 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 hopefully they understand and appreciate uh, the importance. They understand that uh, the Kriya Satora of, of the Aseris Adibros is a reenactment of Matan Taylor. It's not regular Kriya Satora. It's a reenactment of Matan Taylor. And, uh, and that's what goes on. And, uh, yes, and it, well, but we, we've talked, I think, last year in this uh, forum, and, and you mentioned that we talked about the provenance of this event from the Kabbalists of staying up all night, which gets turned into, as you say, the mitzvah of Shuas, which is staying up all night, and which devolves in some ways to various classes and shiurim and, and you know, a lot of socializing and, and in some areas, you know, barbecuing and uh, basically, you know, uh, an all night Torah themed party where you're right, the real, the people who know how to learn have their chavruses and they're learning. <laughs> Uh, but you know, uh, you know, you probably in your shear have many balabatim who are ready with their shiurim that they've been planning for a couple of weeks uh, to present. Right? You're not bringing in any special. Oh no. Also, well, we do something special here in Kosovo because all the shuls gather together and do it in one place. Uh, we actually use the uh, the local day school, which houses the Kol Tormitzion. The Kol Tormitzion takes the lead role in organizing it. And we all learn together. Uh, there are shiurim through the night, but also regular base medrash chavrusa learning throughout the night, and a wonderful minion in the morning. It's really a very nice atmosphere. 
Right. Yeah. But again, I think we talked about this last year. Again, I, I don't want to rehash it, but it usually why well, I say it devolving, not only because not everybody is is geared and mentally attuned to stay up all night and really be intense. It also really, in a way, puts a very big dent into the rest of the holiday because for people who push themselves to stay up and then find themselves, you know, struggling to go to sleep afterwards, their brains are sort of out of whack. And, and so, I know a lot of wonderful Yerushimayim who do not stay up all night, who learn till one o'clock, go to sleep like normal human beings, wake up and dive in at the normal time, but then spend a lot of time learning during the day. That is certainly in many ways more admirable than the guys who show stay up all night, but are, you know, are engaged in, in vicious rechilas and lush and hugger most of the time. Uh, and <laughs> right. Well, you know, vicious pressing and socializing and everything else. So yes, it's, it's it, it, you know, I, I would certainly advocate uh, for that option, and certainly to be honest, I, I tried to. I, I was almost run out of town on a rail for doing that in my short stint as a Maruda Astro or as a Rob right. Shul. I said, you know what? Let's this year. I I had a meeting of everyone in the Shul, and I put it up on the board. Look how much we can learn. We're going to be Makabel Yontif early, and we're going to have a Seder right away, and then we're going to learn, but then we'll go to sleep, and then we'll get up early instead of our usual nine o'clock minion on on, on Yontif morning. We'll get up. An hour earlier, we'll have learning. And I showed them with this chart how the amount of learning, instead of four and a half hours would be eight by hours. night, would be <laughs> would be much more than that, about 12 or 15 hours of learning, you know, four times the amount of learning with a mental acuity. But, you know, you know, I, I am like Don Quixote um, trying to fight uh, the windmills of the uh, attitudes of, yeah. yeah, this is what we do. And it's a lot easier to put it into this compact system. Now, you know, obviously, Rabbi Popko, the difference between Eretz Yisrael and, and, and here is uh, very strong this year because in Eretz Yisrael, oh, they get a two-day because Shabbos leading at the Shabbos. We have this three-day event, and um, it's it, it, you have to really come up, you have to be inventive, I guess, to, to turn it into a, uh, a meaningful thing over three days, right? It's hard. It's a challenge, but... Uh... Listen, there's, you know, listen, there's a variety of things we do. You do a special stream for women. You do something for kids. Uh, it's a long, and these are long days. I mean, we're not davening Mincha till 830. It's, mm-hmm. These are long, long days. And uh, it certainly is a challenge. And now it's Aristotle, it's great. You know, you stay up all night. You, 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 know, you sleep till Mincha. Mm-hmm. And, and it's you, over. Oh, and it's so, over. <laughs> and over here, this is the second day. You know, long days. These are very long days, and uh, especially in the, you know the, for the north, you 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 travel. They're very long days, and uh, you know you got to be uh, creative, inventive, or just allow people to be. They don't have to be programmed all the time. Which means that instead of being the intense Torah holiday, it ends up being it's a day off. So right. it sort it sort of has both extremes. On one hand, you have uh, you know this. Uh, this almost semi-mystical, intense yeshivish period, followed by a, a, a lot of sleeping, and yeah. then followed by I'm just hanging out in Shavuos, where Montreal is a little bit uh, less humid than other areas down uh, in the south of the border. Is the fact that it's probably going to be damn hot for many people, and especially people of somewhat of some girth <laughs> like ourselves, uh, to go through uh, Shabbos. Sunday and Monday, without having the benefits of of a hot shower, is going to be quite difficult. I tell you what we've done this year is that 
upon entering the sanctuary, <laughs> right outside the stairs, we have we we hose people down. Yes, yeah. We have, uh, we have the, the local fire company has been very cooperative. Yeah, bring a fire truck and we're hosing people down as they come in to avoid an environmental crisis indoors. So one of the things that, you know, we talked about, and I, as a private row, and I'm going to even say it here on the podcast, is that for people who are uh, intensely or, or just in generally bothered and, and they, they can't get on with things because I, I'm stinking, I'm sweaty, I need something. Again, to me, this already, and I know Michael Broyd and others have written articles about this and, and talked about the resistance to this PSAC, but I was, I'm ready to tell people, if they're in that type of mindset, go take a shower, even on the first day of Yontif. It's almost like a shtick of a chayla, but also it's a milsa de shavah v'chol nefesh b'zman hazeh. I believe I'm correct in saying most human beings shower daily. Am I correct in that? I've never done a, a scientific uh, thing. When we were near Yisrael, that definitely was not oh, true. Well, listen, I mean, <laughs> I, okay, I could say a lot of things, which I'm going to restrain myself. I mean, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but generally speaking, people shower every day. Some people shower first thing in the morning. Some people shower before they go to sleep. But most people shower every day. I believe that easily makes every human being a, an istinist in halakhic categories. And therefore, those who are more liberal in their approach to showering on Yontif have solid foundation. There's no way you can argue. Yeah. On the second day of Yontif, I think I'm on very solid ground. And I, I've told people this. Um, it is a little bit disconcerting when people do come into show and you can see they are, they, they smell, you know, from Chanel or whatever sort of, <laughs> whatever sort of, uh, after, sort of aftershave smell that they have on them. But I, I, I do believe this is the type of thing which, especially in, in these type of climates that... that, that I mean, you, you know, Hasidic folk, Hasidic, are you, you're, you, you know Hasidic folk? They go to the mikveh, yes, of course, they yeah. go to the mikveh, and the mikvehs are quite warm. The idea of telling people to take a cold shower, I think, is, a, is, is, you know, is, is almost frightening, because although halakhically, it probably makes... That would probably be the way to go if you can't stand that you're sweaty, take a cold shower. Right. But, but I think there's a certain shock to the system that cold showers give, although, as I said, in yeshiva, we're very used to it, that I think probably would allow... And I'm going to give another allow you to take a warm shower, hot shower, even on the first day, if necessary, second day for sure. And I think you could also be mitzarif, sniff lahokel, based on the way the hot water heaters right. work because it is a groma it doesn't it, it happens that there's plenty generally there's enough in the system itself that when right, you turn you that on 30 minute shower i mean if, you, right. if you're a normal human being and you take a four to five minute shower there are very few serious there are very few substantive issues right and and i think it, it, i think we allow ourselves to be seen as with the world when we allow this type of psalkim to happen, especially on, on a three-day yontif like hey, this. Listen, I understand that there's some people who have to, who are whose first instinct and overwhelming instinct impulses to say no to any uh, to any seeming change in how people practice, but uh, it's certainly uh, halakhically reasonable to permit it. Yeah, and I think that would probably be one thing that people listening to this program might say, okay, the two rabbis said it was it, it was all right, but I would say consult your rabbi uh, anyway. It might be worth consulting. But I would say only consult your rabbi if he's renowned for maintaining basic hygiene. If you have an unhygienic rabbi, I would avoid consulting him. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> you, say, you, you say that all the communities learn together, which is interesting because I've heard about that on Simchas Torah. Is it sort of the same idea that you're having for Shuas that Torah is the unifier of all the Cote St. Luke communities? It, it has to do with numbers and demographics in Cote St. Luke, but also has to do with the idea that once a year, you know, it's not a nice idea to get together with everybody. Mm-hmm. And I do think Torah is an equalizer. I mean, you, we prove it, I think, on this program. But I think generally, you know, people um, dig in their heels. But if it's a question of, well, what does the Pusik mean? What does the Rashba mean? What does this Medrash mean? I think everybody sort of loses their preconceived notions and their accents and their attitudes. And they can talk about it. I think that's one of the beautiful unifying things uh, that 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 learning Torah does, right. uh, and 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 therefore, you know, you, I think we are still makabel ha'emes mimisha um, omra, and maybe that's something that uh, Shuvas can, can 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 push forward. What do you? Let, let's talk a little bit about the second day again. Uh, obviously, for us, the second day, as you say, it's long, but it also has for you as a rabbi uh, the special, you know, it's yisker again. Um, do you find that? That that you know, since we've had a Yisker just a couple of weeks ago on Pesach, that the Yisker for Shavuos sort of doesn't get the oh, same. Here's the thing: Let's say you're in a normal centrist Orthodox institution, where if you've uh, you've had not only have you uh, had Yisker seven weeks ago on, on uh, or you've six, had Yom HaShoah and you've had Yom Hazikaron, you had Yom Hazikaron. So the normal. Yisker conversation may be at this point a little redundant. Yes. Okay. Right. So, uh, so I think it's an opportunity to talk about Yisker as you know as Yisker. But let's remember Yisker as an institution in Ashkenazic synagogues is not born out of personal loss, but more kriya of those days. The kriya satar of those days, which is in partial for a, right. deals with um, charity. It deals with philanthropy. It deals with consistently indicating there are right. people who have more who are donating and giving. So because of that, it was seen as a way to raise money or for people, and they would be menadev for the shamash, the menadev right, for right, the right. rav. And therefore, there were people who didn't have what to be menadev for. So they said, you know what? Be menadev for your, for your relative who passed away. Right. And because of that, it became, oh, that was a great idea. So right. because everybody's got relatives who, who are dead, so therefore, it became this idea. I mean, the original Yisker was simply Yom Kippur, right? Right, but that was something different. That was, that, the, was different. that was the idea that somehow we, in a way, are connected to the people who have right. passed on. And in a way, they're being judged and we're part of them. So right. y- y- Yom Kippur Yisker is really the holiest type of Yisker. Right. Whereas I think the, the holiday Yiskarim of Pesach, Shuas, and, and Shemini Atzeres, all you have to go to the Kriyos Now, you're right. As massacres started building up, whether it's Chalmaniki and others, so clearly the significance of Yisker, especially as the, the generation we grew up with, right. we were kids of the 60s, and we, and we saw the Holocaust survivors coming in, and Yisker was almost the holiest day of the year for right. them. So but you're again, correct. Listen, when you and I were kids, uh, whatever shul you went to in America, Right, uh, came Yisker the four times a year. Yisker certainly three times on Yontif was very noticeable. That about a half hour or so, people you never saw <laughs> That's right. would, would, would congregate en masse at the back of every shul. Shuls would not even bother giving them sedurim. They had a card with Yisker written on it, so that they would say Yisker and go back to work afterward. 
Jones. That's right. I, 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 let me just tell you a little story in Memphis. You know, the um, Memphis is, of course, where I grew up. You, you're a Pittsburgh boy. But right. in Memphis, uh, our, Memphis's most famous son, born in Tupelo, but raised in Memphis, is, of course, Elvis. Right. And, and whether, you know, it's Jewish. possible. Elvis, Elvis was Jewish. Yes, Elvis through his mother, Elvis Aaron Presley. Um, but Elvis's closest friend in Memphis was George Klein. Klein was actually a DJ on WHPQ and helped promote his records. He was part of the Elvis Mafia and hung out with him in Vegas and other places like that. So George would come to our shul on Yusker. And it was, we we children were saying, George Klein is here. George Klein. No self-respecting Jew would find himself outside of a shul. When Yusker, you were considered to be disgracing yourself, your dead parents, it was unheard of. It was unconscionable. Right. Right. Today, it's perfectly conscionable. Right, which is <laughs> right, which is turned because again, George Klein didn't show up before Yisker. He didn't show up no. on the first day, right? And again, George is a great guy, and he did, right. he did a lot in promoting he Elvis. He never came to show Kol Nidre, but Yisker, <laughs> he came. Right. So, which is interesting, how that has really d- d- changed. And By I, the way, I don't know if you know this, but when Elvis sang "Nothing But a Hound Dog." It was a song about the condition of the Jew in, in exile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it was Heartbreak Hotel. I don't know. That no, was no, the no, one. No, that, I thought Heartbreak Hotel was about. No, Heartbreak about, Hotel was 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 also a Jewish theme. Yes, yes, yes. It had to go with visiting your in-laws. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. And Blue Christmas is <laughs> and and Blue Christmas really is actually uh, it, it's really Tisha above, but right. it's, but he but he you know he had to say Blue Christmas otherwise it wouldn't have sold. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, look, I, I was I definitely connected to him because to me, growing up in a changing community, it was in the ghetto, you know, right? The uh, I, I definitely had a connection there. Uh, Elvis actually, again, he was always he was a shop. He loved Jews. And, he loved Jews. Uh, yes, he definitely. Uh, His grandmother's uh, Matseva has a mug and dove on it. It's an yes, 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 and we definitely have to realize he was the Elvis was clearly, clearly the king. And in, in nothing but a hound dog. Yes. <laughs> So anyway, so I would say that if you could, let me just, between me and you, look, you have to, people are going to still come in on, on your screen. You're not going to be involved with it. So what is going to be your address this year? Can you well, I would say like this, because of the fact that there are uh, four times a year we say Yisker, and we've just come off of Yom HaZikor and Yom HaShoah, I think it's an opportunity. What I like to try to do, and it's not always successful, is to try to distinguish the Shavuos Yisker in, in its own way, which is obviously, you know, uh, not Rip- grounded in any halacha or minyan, yeah, sure. but it grounded in the day, at least, of Shavuos, which is, you know, Yisker for the Torah of our parents. Mm-hmm. You know, if Shavuos is the day, the Yisker should be about that, what we learned from them in their Yiddishkeit, in their Torah, you know, and, uh, and that's what the Yisker of Shavuos should be about. That's great. The, the Yisker of Shemini Yitzharis is about you know, Zaman Simchasenu, which should be about the joy we learn from them. Uh, and, uh, and and that's what it should be. Pesach, you know, Yisker speaks for itself. It's about Mishpacha. But uh, but Sukkot should be about their Simcha, and Shavuot should be about their Torah. And, and and what we could do is maybe talk about how, you know, Rav Gifter spoke about this, that even the Balabatim in, in Vilna, who went out to work, the commitment that they had to learning, when they would learn at night, they're coming beforehand. You know, there is something to mourn over the the sort of understanding how normal learning Tyra was and how it didn't have to be 
and again, I'm going to get on a soapbox here. It didn't have to be a production. It didn't have to be, uh, you know, some, what is the, what is the newest uh, topic that has to be discussed? There, it was in their bones. And maybe that's something that we need to, in a way, mourn yeah. and try to inculcate in such a normal way. It doesn't have to, yeah, of course, learning is, is breathing, as you say. Truest is about breathing, about learning, about being who we are. And you're right, maybe what it is we have to do in our Yisker is mourn the fact that that has been eliminated. We are a community that needs to be entertained. We need to have things, what's the newest and the best. Um, the idea of just going into a room and just opening the safer and sitting and learning, um, that is something that, for some reason, doesn't capture people anymore. Everyone, yeah, listen, it's a... It, it, and it, it's it, and you, you, you it is it is painfully difficult, if not impossible, in most of our communities to fend off the cultural influences that are around us. There is a very limited attention span. There's a need for constant, you know, stimulation and this and that. And uh, getting back to simply sitting down with a chumash and rashi or a gemara and learning a rashi and taisus, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, I think the guys that learned Duff Yomi are able to do that. I hope. I, I maybe I'm misunderstanding what they do, but you know, they just to, to learn normal things and learn, in, you know, from the beginning of safer to the end, and you know, and and learn right. the whole thing. Yeah, I, I, look, I I've been giving a Duff Yomi shear. I was part of a Duff Yomi kolil. You know, in a way, I bite the hand that feeds me consistently. <laughs> but I will say that part of what the reason why they jump onto the Dafyomi bandwagon, we talked about this, is because, oh, I'm part of this great program, I'm finishing, right. as opposed to what 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 are, if you talk about Yisker of our parents, uh, just to sit and learn, whatever Masechta is, Jovarta, you're sitting and learning, right? whatever it is, this is part of your life, you know how to do it. Um, you know, I've told this story often, but I think it's worthwhile, we talk about Yisker, we can talk about, you know, our, our memories. Uh, I came back from Yeshiva one year, and um, I was, I decided I, w- I wanted to wear Masechta's Tainus. Um, and I don't know why, but I felt, yeah, I want to finish this Masechta. I think it was because it was during the summer. And I think, you know, I, I think I was about 15. I wanted to do Masechta's Tainus. And uh, as you know, Masechta's Tainus has a lot of Agadita. Uh, and there was a shul, the Baron Hirsch Synagogue in their um library had uh, Henry Malter's translation oh, yeah. of Masechta's Tainus. There was no art scroll, and Sansino was completely, um, you know, obscure, and you, you, I felt I was reading Shakespeare when I'd be reading Sansino. But Malter's translation was a little book, but it was, at, so I would bike the two and a half miles, or two, uh, three miles to the to the Baron Hirsch Library when it's open, and I'd be able to use Malter's translation to help me through. But I wasn't able to do it one hot day. And uh, I, I went over to my dad, who was generally involved in doing his business and whatever was going on. And I said, you know, and to ask him in Yiddish, I said, you know, it's a shver from your Kenish Leiden, you know, because it's, it's hard. So, and I, I wasn't learning with him. So he took over the, he, he says, oh, it was Mosean. So he asked me for the Gemara and he opened it up. And his finger started moving where it was. And he basically touched the whole daf all the way through. Okay. Now, he wasn't a person who was who had a steller as a rov. He had learned when he was a child. And even though the Holocaust and other things had intervened, a lot of terrible poverty and family tragedies. But when he opened up that Gemara, whenever this was in the early 1970s, he took a daf of Tainus and he read it all the way through and explained it to me. 
that's something we talk about Yisker, something we can mourn because you know that was something that that we don't have anymore and that's something which i think you know i, I love the idea of maybe using you know Yisker. of course we can always talk about the great rabbis that we don't have <laughs> but i'm talking about a balabas <laughs> that's something which i think um would be would be a great message and let's hope that uh, somehow as you could say as using in, using the negro spiritual Hopefully, we shall overcome, and in some way, <laughs> the power of Torah itself. All right. Take care, everybody. All right. A whole lot of moving and shaking this through us. Be well. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.